We're in a series called Growing Deeper and Getting Stronger. And we're basically trying to answer a question. What are some things that need to happen in my life for me to get closer to God? That's the basic question. What are some things that need to happen in my life for me to get closer to God? And this weekend, we're going to talk about your job. If you're considering, how can I get stronger in my relationship with God? Certainly, don't we need to think about the thing that you do almost every day of your life? Now, at first, you might say, talking about your job for spiritual reasons seems a little strange. Amen? I mean, there's some things that I expect to hear about coming to church, but, but me growing deeper, me getting stronger in my relationship with God, what on earth does my job have to do with that? Why don't you think, first of all, first of all about how much time you spend doing your job, whatever it is that you're assigned to do with your life, how much time do you spend doing that? I read somewhere that if we live to be 70 years of age, the average person spends 24 of those years sleeping. And some of you saying that still wasn't near enough. Amen? (laughs) We spend six years of total time eating. We spend five years just going places, just getting somewhere. And amen if you got kids playing soccer. Amen to that. We spend four years in conversation. We spend five years in in school studying or reading. We spend four years in miscellaneous pursuits, which, by the way, the person who did this study found that that our serving God fits in that miscellaneous pursuits category, which is kind of sad. That's another story, amen? That's another message. But to say that my miscellaneous pursuits, part of that is serving God, that's something I need to think about. God's, God's not in my miscellaneous, amen? He better not be. We spend eight years in recreation and things like TV, sports, and hobbies. Now, unless you live in the North Country. If you live in the North Country, you don't have eight years of recreation. You have four years of recreation and four years of shoveling snow. Amen? (laughs) I mean, there's me and Josh this year. And you can see my head over the other side of the garage there. I I was actually shoveling. I wasn't taking a break. but, uh, But Josh is working hard and that wore me out. But anyway, but did you know that we spend... 14 years of our lives working. Somebody put it another way. If we work eight hours a day, we spend one third of a normal day working. If we sleep eight of those hours, then we spend half of our 16 waking hours working. And once you factor into that, getting to work, Once you factor into that, thinking about work, winding down from work, especially if you're a parent, especially if you're a single parent, pretty much work just about covers the whole day that we're awake. Yet for many people, the way that we would describe our work, our our perspective, our outlook on our work, is that it's my thorn in the flesh. What I have to do with my life, and by the way, young people, You can include in this school, okay? It is whatever you do with your life, all right? Many of us see that as our cross to bear. We dread going in to this place called work every day and just trying to make it until the end of the day or until the end of the week. 
So I want to start with a little bit of a bigger picture as we're thinking about this thing called work so that we can understand a little bit better about what, what God has wanted to talk to or speak to us about in our lives. First of all, there's a reason that work is hard. Okay, now this is something very important. The next couple of things that I want to share with you are very important to our understanding about work. The Bible says that in Genesis chapter 3 that something happened when sin entered into this world, something happened that we call the curse. Okay, we call it the fall. That sin entered in and it brought difficulty and ultimately sin brought death. And in Genesis chapter 3, God told Adam and Eve that the work of their lives was going to be hard. Aren't you looking forward to seeing Adam and Eve on the streets of gold? Thanks a lot, people. Thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. Appreciate it. Amen. Appreciate it. I spent 70 years killing myself at that job because you had to eat some fruit one day. Amen. Both the work outside the home, which seems to be God's focus for Adam, and the work inside the home, which seems to be God's focus for Eve. And by the way, that statement doesn't mean that Adam never works inside the home or that Eve never works outside the home. It just speaks to their primary focus that God gave them as a husband and a wife. You can also look at Titus chapter 2, verse 5. But in spite of the curse of sin, we also need to understand that work is not all bad. Did you realize that? The Bible says, actually right before the curse chapter of Genesis chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, that God actually introduced... Listen, maybe you should think about it this way. Not, we always think of it as work... Even saying the word work sounds like work, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm getting tired already. But God introduced responsibilities. God introduced to Adam and Eve that they were going to have responsibilities, assignments in creation, and that was even before sin happened. So what we need to understand is that work is not a curse. The curse just made work difficult. In fact, I like to use this word, employment. I want you to think about that word, employment, because some of you would say, well, I don't work anymore. I'm retired, or I'm a person on disability, or for whatever reason. Or like I said, a young person, you might say, I don't work, I don't have a job, so that, this message is not for me. Now listen, friends, it's really a bigger picture. It's not job, it's not work, it is employment. God called all of us to be engaged. God called all of us to make a difference, to make an impact, to make a contribution, to, to be employed, to be involved in some way. And it's not just in this world. And I hate this because some of you are like, oh my goodness, are you serious? We're going to be employed in heaven. We're going to have jobs in heaven. That's not a bad thing. Work is a good thing. It can be a blessing. It will be a blessing. Because at that point, the curse will be gone. And amen. Praise God for that. Amen. But you also need to realize that your work, your employment, whatever it is that you do with your life is very important to God. In fact, if you totally dismiss your work as worthless, as meaningless, or whatever, you're missing some of the biggest impact for God that you are supposed to have with your life. First of all, your personal growth. If you spend 
much, if not most, of your waking hours employed doing something, but you check out on God, that means that much of your waking life, you're going to have to depend on Him to speak to you in your dreams. Amen? It's going to have to happen by osmosis. When I, I mean, it's just going to have to come upon me because I'm busy at work most of my life. So you're going to miss much of the growth that God has for you. But even more importantly, you're going to miss most of the impact that God wants to make through you. Many of us are waiting till we get to church. Amen? I got to work. Got to go back to the old grindstone. Just, you know, it's the railroad, you know, just so I'm getting back to work. But then I can't wait for the weekend because then I'm going to get to minister to kids. And then I'm going to get to minister to my church family and the community as we worship. Or maybe sometimes I'll take a day off and I'll help out with a barricade. If you dismiss your work as worthless, you're going to miss much of the impact that God intended to make through your life. Somebody says, Pastor Robbie, you make it sound so great. You make it sound so noble and all, but let's be honest. I just sell used car parts. All I do is file paperwork. I convince people that they need a couch. How incredibly spiritual can that be? Amen? Well, to some extent, maybe that is part of the curse. That a lot of our work appears to be, and in some sense, is meaningless, isn't it? The Bible talks about that, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. In that passage, the Bible talks about the fact that, in verse 11, it talks about that much of our work is, listen, without God infused, it is worthless. It is meaningless. We can get to the end of our life and say, are you kidding me? I got up at 5 every morning got breakfast going, got clothes together, got the kids at school, came home, did soccer or whatever you do, baseball, Little League, whatever it is. We came home, had supper, we fell in the bed, did it again five days a week, every week of my life. Are you kidding me? That's what it was all about. That's the way it feels, doesn't it? Friend, listen, that's without God. But with God, those moments are not wasted. With God, God can provide through that employment our needs. God can provide for His work to happen in this world. The experiences that we have, much like marriage, which we struggle with so much, but it, as we've said before, it's because it's one of the primary ways that God works in our life. Same way your job, we want to discount that. That doesn't count. That's too hard. We're going to miss that without God. And our job can be the primary avenue through which God works your life and the lives of other people. And I would even say this to you. If you will begin to approach your work differently, and if you will know that you are where God wants you to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, you will have a much more enthusiastic view of even otherwise monotonous work. Amen? That I'm not just filing papers. That I'm not just selling used car parts. That I'm not just delivering refrigerators to people. Because you will see God at work both in you and through you and in the lives of other people. And that becomes a very powerful calling. So if you're going to be serious about walking with God, we need to have a better understanding of this thing called work and how to approach that. So with all that in mind, I want to talk with you as we look at God's Word in Colossians chapter 3. Several passages they really emphasize this greatly in God's Word. We're going to focus on Colossians 3, verses 22 
through 25. And first of all, the Bible tells us that God wants you, very simply, to do your job. Look at verse 22. It says, slaves, servants. In our language, we would put that more appropriately as employees. In all things, obey those who are your masters on the earth. I want you to take a look at this video with me for just a moment. Excuse me, do you have the keys for the razor case? No. Can anyone help me get some razors? No! It's kind of like they don't want you to buy razors. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors for just a few bucks. Now, I want to be honest with you. I resisted the urge this weekend. I have a very apropos customer service illustration to give you. But I decided not to use it. Shannon wouldn't let me use it because she said she thought my sin nature would kick in. All right, so I'm not. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Shannon doesn't write most of my messages. All right, but I, I decided... <laughs> I decided to use that commercial as a good example, okay? Because I was afraid my sin nature would kick in and I'd just get all kinds of worked up if I gave you my story. But have you ever gone in a business and felt like that guy? Do they really want to sell something here? Or am I just really getting on their nerves and they'd rather me leave? Amen? The sad thing is, And many Christians, we are those workers. We are not good workers. We do not have a good attitude or a good work ethic at our work. Or maybe worse, we don't do our job. And listen, because we Christians, we're very creative. We're very creative with trying to make ourselves look and feel good while at the same time not doing what God wants us to do. Amen? So many Christians don't do their job and they over-spiritualize that laziness. The Bible has much to say, though, about the kind of work that we ought to do, especially in the book of Proverbs. But here in Colossians and all throughout God's Word, the Bible teaches us to be hard workers. The Bible tells us if you are a follower of Jesus, you should not be a lazy person. That if you are... Listen, and I love this image. God began to show me this a few years ago as I was studying one of the parables. That if Christ lives in you, if God lives in you, the nature of God ought to come out of you. The nature of our God is He is a producer. Amen? God is on the move. God is active. God, God bears fruit. God expands things. God contributes. He grows things. And so if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to God, you're going to have a desire To do something, to produce something, to be about something, to be engaged, to be employed. In Colossians 3, verse 22, it tells us very simply. Hey, you want want something great? You want something just really deep and theological? You know what God says? Do your job. Do your job. Just do it. Just do what your boss tells you to do. Somebody said, well, what are you saying, Pastor Robbie? I'm just supposed to go in and be a doormat. My boss tells me what to do. Sure, whatever, boss. Pastor Robbie said, I've got to do what you say. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean. I mean, the Bible talks about relationship. The Bible talks about conflict. 
The Bible talks about working through things. The Bible talks about all those. Communication, absolutely. You should have a relationship with your boss where there can be a communication that happens. But your boss should not see you as a pain. Your boss should not consider you as a hassle. If your boss tells you something to do, if it is not immoral, if it is not unethical, if it is not ungodly, then pretty much you should do what your boss tells you to do. Now, for some of us, as I said, the problem is a work ethic problem. To be honest with you, I would be very surprised if that was the case with most, if, if not all, the people in this room. When I look at you guys, you look engaged. You look ready. You look thoughtful. You look like you're on it, okay? You're like, you know, I want to do something. You don't like lazy people to me. Okay, so I don't think this is probably most of who I'm talking to right here. But if it is you, you need to deal with that. And you really need to deal with it immediately. Because it is not honoring to your Lord to not have a good work ethic. It could also be, listen, it could be a problem of authority. If that is your problem, then then you need to ask God to help you change that. Listen, He says, servants... In all things, now wait a second, no. how many things? Sounds pretty comprehensive. In all things, obey those who are your masters here on this earth. It sounds like God is saying whatever your boss tells you to do, that's what you need to do. Listen, friends, why is it so important for us to learn how to respond to God-given authority in our lives? Because a lack of submission to God-given authority reveals a problem of submission to our relationship with God. That's not a good thing. In fact, we can, like I said, we can spiritualize it. You know, I love God, I listen to Him, but I hate my boss. I ain't doing nothing that guy says. Okay, well, actually, you've got it wrong. Because if you're not doing what a God-given authority in your life is, is, is requiring of you to do, Again, there's, there's parameters for ridiculous, okay? But reasonable expectation for what you've agreed to do, then you're not actually submitting to God. You're giving yourself credit for that, but I'm not actually submitting to God because I'm not submitting to His, His given authority. And like I said, some today, and even some in the early church, try to over-spiritualize their laziness, okay? Now listen, friends. God's got our number. I can't hide from the Lord, Amen. He's trying to speak to us about it. Listen, many Christians try to over-spiritualize everything. And many times we do this in, a, in relation to our work so that we can be lazy or lax or again, not do something that we want to do. I remember Dr. Adrian Rogers one time went to a conference, a leadership conference that he was doing. And he said, you know what? Some people try to manage spiritual problems and some people try to spiritualize management problems. He said, you shouldn't try to manage spiritual problems, and you shouldn't try to spiritualize management problems. He gave an example. He said, I had an employee one time, I had a guy that worked with me, that every time we were supposed to meet, he would be late. He said, every time the guy was late, he would say, why are you late? He said, oh, I was just praying, you know, I was just seeking God, I was just on my, on, on my face before God, and I just got so enraptured in prayer and worshiping God. Sorry, I was late. You know what he told this guy? He says, you know what? You know what you need to start doing? You need to stop praying sooner and get to this meeting on time. Amen? (laughs) And that is not unspiritual. That guy was blaming God. That's actually called taking God's name in vain. 
He was blaming God for his laziness or his lack of effort in doing what he was supposed to do. Wow! How many of us do things? Oh, I was just serving. I was just helping. I was just, I was over here. How many people at work stay busy at the wrong thing? Amen? And that's over-spiritualizing what we're doing. There were people in the early church who did that. They started doing that. Go back and read First and Second Thessalonians. There were people who were saying, you know what, I don't know if I necessarily need to work because Jesus might come back today and I just want to be ready. I just want to be right here ready. You know what the Bible says? If you want to be ready for Jesus to return, then do what you're supposed to be doing. It would be better, instead of sitting on the floor, looking at the sky, waiting for Jesus, it would be better for you to be selling that refrigerator. It would be better for you to be delivering what you're supposed to be delivering. Because He wants us to be faithful what He's called us to do until He returns. But there are Christians in the early church, and even people today, who try to use God and His work as an excuse. Whatever the reason. Listen, friend. If you have a job, are you listening? If you have a job that you have agreed to do, some of your best steps of growth is to just start doing your job. It's a matter of honesty. It's a matter of integrity. It's a matter of not stealing from someone, really, isn't it? Because if someone, ha- if I have agreed with someone to do a job and they're going to pay me for that, then I'm not doing what I've been getting paid to do. And that hurts the Lord's testimony. And that hurts God's work in my life. But the Lord doesn't just say, do your job. He says more in these verses. He says you should do your best at your job. Look at Colossians 3, verse, the second part of verse 22. It says, servants, slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Here's where we're picking up. Not with external service, not with eye service, not just to look good to someone else as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, with, with, with true intentions, with honest intentions, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. Do it from the depth of your soul as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Listen, here's one of those thunder sound verses. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Boom. Amen. Boom. Why is it so important? Because I serve the Lord on that job. He says in verse 25, For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Many Christians take a, what is the minimum requirement that God calls of me, kind of an attitude to life. So here's what we do. We know that God says do your job. Many of you know that. You know you've been taught that it's good to have a good work ethic. So you know you need to do what your boss tells you to do. But then we say to the Lord, okay, I will do it. But I don't have to like it. Right? I'll do it. Listen, friends, this is a danger. And it comes across in subtle ways, and this is one of the ways. There are many churches today, churches just like ours, It started out with good intentions, good Bible-believing churches that started moving in that direction. I will obey. I will do it. But in my heart, I don't want to. Amen? 
So that's where many of you grew up in good Bible-believing churches. That somewhere along the way, the heart got sucked out, amen? Because you just do what you're supposed to do, whether you like it or not. Now, there is some truth to that, whether I feel it or not, whether I get warm fuzzies about my job or not. Do it, amen? But the Bible, listen, God is calling us to, to take another step forward. Not, not just do it, not just grin and bear it. The Bible says that God wants us to take it farther than that. He wants us to mean it. He wants us to have a good attitude about it. Not just to do your job to look good. He said not just as eye pleasers. The boss shows up, you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Not just to please men, not just to make your boss happy. He says ask God to help you do your job sincerely. Ask God to help you to do your job from your heart with the best intentions. Not in a fake way, not in a pretend way, but heartily from your soul is how that is translated. If we as Christians live like God tells us to live, we would be known as the best workers there are. In fact, to give credit, to some extent that is true, isn't it? To some extent, God's people, and I pray that's true of you, I'm sure it is, to many, if not hopefully all of us. If we ask your boss about you, this is what you would want to be said. You would want your boss to say, I wish I had ten more like her. Amen? Amen. That's your goal. That your boss would say, I wish I had a whole room full of people like that person. Because they do what I tell them to do, and they do it to the best of their ability. Why? Why would we do that? Well, let me just say this. If you would really push back and say, well, I don't want to. I, don't, I, hate, my, I hate everything about my job. If that's really where you are, if you can't stand your boss, if you can't stand the work environment, then maybe you need to be praying about some movement. Amen? Okay, so sometimes God is calling us to change direction. And so maybe that's where some of the discomfort is coming in. God, am I in the right place? But if you know... This is where I'm supposed to be, at least for right now. And you need to start realizing the reason that you would do your best is because you realize who you work for. Okay, you do your best because you begin seeing God as your boss. Look at chapter 3 again, verse 22. It says, do this fearing the Lord. Do this as for the Lord, as unto the Lord. Do this Because from the Lord you're going to receive your payment. Do this, verse 24, it says very clearly, because it is the Lord Christ whom you are serving. Jesus is your real boss. Amen? Y'all aren't sure about it? Amen? I understand that on some level, we all need some accountability at work. To some extent, that's a healthy, that's something that we all need as humans. But listen, if you're following Jesus, you shouldn't require a lot of oversight. Do you hear me? If I'm following Jesus, I shouldn't need people looking over my shoulders all the time. Because we talked about this in terms of integrity, which is really what we're talking about again. We talked about it in a different way before, but in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. So I know, remember what I said, I don't need a nanny cam? Jesus is my nanny cam, amen? 
I don't need somebody spying on me. I shouldn't. Now, again, all of us to some extent need accountability. But the more that you grow in your relationship with the Lord, the less you should need somebody watching how you work. Because your boss is always there. He's always watching what you're doing. And can I share a little secret with you? If you will decide to do your work like that, if you will decide to do your work as unto the Lord, no matter who is around, no matter who notices or gives you credit, God will give you favor. I promise you that. Go back and read the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Great story. About a guy that was just kind of literally in the dungeon, in prison, underground. Nobody knew about him. But God knew where he was at. And at the proper time, God elevated him to a place. He actually, because he had been in the dungeon, had the qualifications to serve in. If you will serve God with all your heart on your job, eventually somebody will notice Eventually, somebody will say, that person is a hard worker. That person, even God will give favor, just like Joseph in the Old Testament. They'll, get, they'll make more money the days you're there. God will give favor to you. God will show you things. God will give you the ability to do things, and you will be rewarded. So if you sweep the floors at Glens Falls High School, if you take blood at the hospital, if you sell windows or doors, if you homeschool your kids, whatever you do, do it to the best absolutely of your ability. Somebody said work that is truly Christian is work that is well done. If you want to be able to say this work was Christian work, then it needs to be work that's well done. By the way, I should say something we're speaking primarily to uh, this, these verses to employees. But the Lord speaks to bosses in, in just one more verse there in chapter 4. So if you're a boss here, you need to pay attention to that. The Bible says in that verse, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master or a boss in heaven. What he's saying is if you are an earthly boss, realize that God is still your boss. God is really the head honcho. So if a big, great God like that is willing to be kind and compassionate and to work with me in the way that He works with me, then I would certainly want to offer that same kind of treatment to the people that are under me. So this speaks to opportunities. This speaks to paying. It speaks to work condition. It speaks to, to encouragement. All those kind of things. So the Bible tells us, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, go, go tomorrow. If you're going back to work, do your job. And do what your boss tells you to do. And do it to the best of your ability because it's the Lord Jesus that you're serving. But then in these verses, I believe something else is brought out. We need God wants us to use our job for His glory. That's ultimately where this is heading. I said it earlier, it's mentioned several times in these verses that the reason we work like this is because I'm presenting my job to the Lord. I'm presenting whatever I'm using my life for to Him. And so it's almost like at the end of the day, it's not almost like, I would think of it this way. At the end of your day, you're saying, here Jesus, here's what I did, here's what I got paid for, I'm presenting this work to you. I believe implied in that 
is that God wants us to honor and glorify Him with our work. That's a difficult question for some of us to answer. How could God be glorified through what I do in my life? For some of you, honestly, and I'm not, I'm not putting you down, I'm, just, I'm saying, I'm just trying to acknowledge, some of you right now would say, Pastor Robbie, I honestly cannot see what amazing glory and applause my job could bring to God. Well, I'm going to give you several reasons, several ways they can. First of all, because you produce a product or a service. Okay, whatever that product is, whatever that service is, it can be used by God in a positive way. Now, certainly, if somebody here works for a Christian publisher, it's not difficult for you to connect those dots, right? That I do work every day, that I make a contribution, and as, as a result of the contribution I make, people read materials and they give their life to God or their life has changed. So for that person, maybe that's not as difficult. But for many of us, it may not be quite that obvious. Listen, if you pave the roads in Queensbury and Glens Falls, God bless you. Amen? You make people's life safer. You save Pastor Robbie money. Amen? On front end alignments and steering adjustments. Amen? And I, that, that is a ministry in my life. The less potholes I hit because of what you do every day is doing something. It's paying for my kids' college education. Amen? You, listen, we live in a world where things have to happen. Aren't you glad that people can fix AC? Because if we didn't have it right now, it'd be hot. It'd be difficult for you to feel comfortable. That is a product or a service that if done because God puts you in a position to do something that impacts or betters other people's lives, then that is glorifying to God. Also, you produce income. Through your job, hopefully, through your job, you produce income. There's really three reasons that I can tell from the Bible for us to produce income. First of all, to provide for your own needs. Secondly, to provide for the needs of your family. Thirdly, to provide for God's work in this world. That is a very God-honoring thing to do. In fact, that second one, to not provide for your family, 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 says that you're acting worse than an unbeliever if you don't provide for the practical needs of your family. So the Bible says God takes it very seriously. If you go to work and you can't find any good reason for what you're doing in terms of a spiritual application, you can say that I go to work, I do a decent day's work for a decent day's pay, and that brings home, that helps my family to eat, and that helps God's family to do His work in this world. That is a God-glorifying thing to do. Amen? But also, your job impacts the lives of other people. Either through that product or service, just like we just said, but also in the lives of the customers and the co-workers that you work with. Friends, please don't miss these next few moments. Those people that you work with, those people that you work for, those people that you serve with your job every day, they are not in your life by chance. Please don't miss this. 
Many of them will never see Jesus if they have to see Him right here. Can I share something with you? We've messed it up. God did not intend for all of His work to happen in this little rectangle right here. God never said, come to the temple, come to the sanctuary, and experience my presence. God said, go! Get out of here, people! Get scattered! Disperse! Stop loitering! There's a whole world of people that need me, and most of them, if you haven't noticed, there's 20,000 people in Queensbury, they're not showing up here on the weekends. Amen? And praise the Lord, many of them have other churches, but most of them do not go to church. So if they're going to see Christ, they are going to have to experience the sanctuary. They're going to have to experience the temple of God in their presence, which is your life. God working in and through your life. Hope you catch a vision for something here right now. As we think about God using your work, did you realize that the words vocation and profession actually have religious foundations? Did I have a vocation? Did I have a profession? Let's talk about the word vocation. It comes from Latin, which means to call. A word in Latin, which means to call. Your vocation, your job, your employment... It's not just something that you do with your life. God says that each one of us have been called by Him and placed by Him. That's a biblical concept too. God puts us in places because that's where He wants your life to be planted and to grow and to serve. Listen, most of the time, we think of pastors as being called. They better be, that's for sure. Listen, friend, you have a calling. And that doesn't mean you have to get warm and fuzzies about what you do every day. All it means, I don't have warm and fuzzies about what I do every day, amen? That just, I'm just, well, kind of. But anyway, I digress. That just means for you and for me that we need to know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing right now with our lives. Amen? This is where God's put me, whether I like it or not, whether I enjoy it or not. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with the people that I'm supposed to be doing it with. Friends, that has been the view of God's people throughout history. We have changed it to this professional clergy idea that there's these special called people and the rest of us just kind of help them do what they do. That is not true. We barely do anything, but y'all go out. And I go out too, by the way. Go, go. Go do the work, and we come back in once in a while to get in a huddle, to get some plays. Amen? I need to be encouraged. I got kind of knocked down this last week, or I need to know the game. I need to be reminded of the game plan. Put your hands in the middle, huddle up, and get out of here, people. What are you doing hanging around here? Go serve God where He's put you. If we just look at the numbers, mostly where He's put you is at home and work. Amen? So if I'm saying job doesn't count, and I'm saying that God can't use me for most of my life. And if that's your attitude, you're going to miss most of what He's wanting to do in your life, character building, 
Listen, most of ministry, day in and day out, whether it's serving as a pastor or, or selling mattresses, most of ministry, most of life is not exciting. Now, God infuses it with a lot of awesome things. But there is just stuff to do, amen? But you begin to carry God to work with you and in you and through you, and you begin working for Him, I guarantee you God's going to turn that job upside down. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through your life. If we told you that this weekend we're talking about what needs to happen in your life for you to get stronger in your relationship with God, you'd probably say, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about serving. We're going to talk about reading my Bible. You probably wouldn't think about your job, would you? Did you know that what you do with your life and how you do it is one of the biggest disciplines of the Christian life? It's one of the ways that you best tell if Jesus has really transformed your life. And for some of us, you know what? It's not that you intended to separate that, but you did. And so God's just helping you take another step. Okay, I'm coming to church regular. Okay, I'm getting involved. Okay, I'm doing the more obvious things. Miracade, World Missions Conference, having somebody at my house. Great things, wonderful things, but, but I thought after the World Missions Conference, now I've got to go back to work, and then I come back to church next week, and then good things happen again. So God's wanting to change that mindset. Will you trust Him? That even what you do for a living could be used to change lives. Again, if He wants to change your employment, or if what you do is not a God-honoring thing to do, that's a different story. But assuming you're where He wants you to be, doing a God-honoring thing, would you ask Him to show you the privilege He's given you of being in that place and being His representative? People tell me all the time, Pastor, I pray for me. Because I'm the only Christian in my work. And they got tears in their eyes. I'm not praying like that for you. I'm excited. Because I don't even have to wonder. You are there for a reason. If there are 25 other Christians, I said, well, what impact are you going to make? But now, there's no question. I'm there for a reason. It's not hard. Would you ask God to give you that perspective? Would you bow with me? It might be what we tend to think of as, quote, work or a job. It might be something else. You might be a stay-at-home mom. You might be retired. You might be a young person that's not yet working. But what is it that you primarily are engaged in in life? What is your employment? What is it that takes most of your focus and attention? And would you present that to God right now? Put it in your hands and extend it out and say, God, please use us. Would you be honest, God? I don't see how you could use this. If it's not a God-honoring thing to do, would you say, God, help me to have the courage to change directions? If you don't have a clue how you could possibly make a difference for God, your workplace. Would you ask God to help you for your lack of faith and vision? 
ask God to help you to expand your ability to see what he sees. And I wonder today if there's maybe somebody here that hasn't given their life to Christ. Your job is just one more indicator of an area of your life that you have not trusted in him. But you call upon him and say, Jesus, please save me. Please come into my life and forgive me because I know I've not been a good worker. I've stolen from my boss. I've had a bad attitude. I've had it hurt. I've caused other people to lose their job. God, those are just reminders to me that I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness and your mercy. I ask you to come into my life and wash my sins away and be my Savior. Father, may it be said of the people of New Hope Community Church and your people all over the world, those are the best workers I've ever had. And they say that. Would we say, well, you can thank God for that because I'm a lousy guy. Well, he's really been working in my life. Father, may you get glory through the jobs that we do here on this earth. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.